everyone, welcome to What Really Works, a mental health podcast for young adults and youth. In these podcasts, you can expect to hear us chat about mental health and provide well-being tips and tricks with the odd joke thrown in. What Really Works is brought to you by Discovery College, an initiative run by the Canadian Mental Health Association Kelowna, where lived and living experience and learned experience informs everything we do. Now let's get started with today's episode. Hello, What Really Works listeners. I hope you're all doing so well today or doing okay. That's also a great option. Um, Welcome back to What Really Works, our mental health podcast for young people. It's me, Becky, your host. And today we don't just have one guest. We have two absolutely incredible guests joining us today, Kayla and Lizzie. Hello. Hello. How are you both doing? I think we're good. We're very uh, excited to be on today and and kind of chat a little bit about uh, what we do as music therapists and and also to just hang out and be with you, Becky. Well, hopefully it goes well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you still enjoy spending time with me afterwards. Yes, exactly. That's the goal at the end of this time together, that we all still enjoy each other's company. Exactly. That's, <laughs> a, that's the main goal. Not talk about music therapy at all. It's the fact that we can all deal with each other at the end. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, we've kind of mentioned what the topic is going to be all about today. So music therapy. Before we kind of delve into the real nitty gritty of talking about what we're going to be discussing today, Kayla and Lizzie, I will pass it over to you to introduce yourselves to the What Really Works listeners. So I'm Kayla. I'm a certified music therapist um, here in Kelowna. I'm, I'm very grateful to be on the traditional unceded territory of the Steelix and Okanagan people. Um, I've been living in Kelowna for just over three years, um, but originally um, been living in the Okanagan for quite a long time in Ursulius. A little bit about um, why, why I got into music therapy. I, um, growing up as a kid, I, I dealt with a lot of um, physical health challenges, which also um, you know, brought with mental health challenges as well to it. And I found that, that music was one of really my, kind of my best friend, really. It was there for me through really challenging times. And I found it could be a way for me to express myself when I was feeling really hard things or when I was in a lot of pain. So I personally really enjoyed writing music that was the way that I expressed myself and, and found a way to really use music therapeutically to, to express myself when I just couldn't share with people what I was going through. And then I would love to get up on a stage and perform that song and then connect with people. And then I found out about a little bit more about music therapy and, and what that was. I was always interested in getting into healthcare. Um, whether that was social work or being a counselor. And I found out about music therapy and realized that I could really be doing both, helping people and also using music um, and sharing music in the way that it's really helped in my life to make it more accessible for, for people in my community. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing, Kayla. And I'm sure a lot of people really identify with what you're saying about how music can definitely be your best friend and really help with through the really tough times which I'm really excited to kind of talk about and delve into today so thank you thanks for having me yeah and then Lizzie would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners so I'm Lizzie I am also living here in Kelowna but I'm originally from Victoria which is the traditional and unceded lands of the Algonquin speaking people and uh yeah similar to Kayla I'm a certified music therapist I kind of started my career in psychology I finished an undergraduate degree in psychology at UVic first and I found I really kind of I really struggled because throughout that time I had left my creative practice of music behind because I thought that you know, academia was calling me. And I I really gratefully found that I could integrate both modalities into my practice. As I finished up my psych degree, I went on to music therapy. And uh, I've been living in Kelowna since I finished my practicums and my internship. So I feel very lucky and grateful to be here. And then now I'm actually currently doing a master's in social work at UBCO here in Kelowna, which is very exciting. Amazing. Yeah, thank you, Lizzie, for, for sharing. Yeah, I'm also excited to kind of hear about how 
the social work crosses paths with the music therapy as well so yeah I'm so excited to have you both on here because we kind of spoke about this just before kind of starting the recording was around a fair few people within I would say like the mental health sector probably heard the term like music therapy and even outside of that I'm not even sure how common like people even know the word music therapy when it comes to like supporting mental health but even like within the mental health sector people might know the word music therapy but really have no idea actually what that even means and what's involved with it and all that kind of stuff so I think it's gonna be really great for us to kind of have a discussion about like what is it maybe what isn't it um and all these other different kind of things so I guess maybe that's where we'll start is like what is music therapy that's probably the most commonly asked question that we get on a day-to-day basis so the the really broad way that I describe music therapy and it's a little memorized so bear with me but it's a a discipline in which a certified music therapist so we that's the kind of terminology we use to describe our profession and then we use the acronym MTA Um, and so certified music therapists will use music Uh, purposefully within a therapeutic relationship to help support overall well-being. So that could be in mental health, in development, in like a broad array of experiences that we have as humans. And so I think if we unpack that definition a little bit, kind of the two things that I really like to highlight is that we are um, a regulated profession in that we have um, standards of practice and an ethics board <laughs> and a, uh, a way that we become accredited. We have a governing body um, and we also use music really intentionally. So we also, you know, we, we lay no claim to music <laughs> as professionals, but we're, we feel really lucky and grateful that we get to utilize music within our therapeutic practice. So I'd say that is what music therapy is and maybe Kayla you could jump in for what music therapy is not and just to add to that you know music music therapy is an allied part of the allied health profession which includes social work physio um, various health um, health professionals knowing that you know we often collaborate with other health professionals as well as people's families um, to support people's health and well-being. Often, you know, music therapy is a term that that is passed around within, you know, our community um, because music can be so, so therapeutic for people. And, you know, we use music really, I think a lot of us every day to support our health, whether that is using um, music to motivate us at the gym or using music after we've had a really long day to help us unwind or having music at a yoga class. So we are already using music in a therapeutic way. Um, and we don't we don't own music in that way. Um, and as well as musicians, there's a lot of musicians that go into say maybe care homes or or hospitals and use music to you know, entertain or, or connect with people. So that would be maybe one of the misconceptions is, you know, people saying, I'm used, I, I do music therapy. Um, yes, you use music therapeutically. Um, however, um, we do have training, we have a minimum of a bachelor's degree um, in music therapy, basically using music to support people's health and understanding really how music affects the brain um, and how it can can support clinical medical conditions um, and using it in a safe, safe way. I feel like when we're dealing with a little bit more complex issues or traumas um, or perhaps working with people who are nonverbal, it gets a little bit more complicated and that's where maybe we might need a little bit more professional help to how we can use music to support our health. Yeah, and even one thing you said made me think of a conversation that I've had a few times with people. Unless you're in like um, the medical circle, you would automatically think they're the same. And the use of the word therapy versus the word therapeutic and how they're actually such different things and it's so confusing to just like the general population right because it's like well therapy like they're derived from the same word they they sound similar like they must mean the same thing and actually like you say that therapeutic can be definitely supportive and guided but maybe can be utilized by a lot more people with like maybe not necessarily as much intense training and that kind of stuff whereas 
things that are more regarded within that therapy area there's a lot more like you say training thinking about being trauma-informed and that kind of stuff that kind of goes alongside it as well yeah it can be so different when we're looking at using music within a therapeutic relationship and within you know a scope of practice and making sure that it's not on a contraindicative for somebody's health yeah amazing are there any other kind of common like misconceptions that you come across or like people being like oh I thought like this is what it would be kind of thing when you're like doing your practice I think a lot of people expect us to to show up with a, the guitars on our back and and do a full-blown concert I think that's a pretty common misconception or thinking we are the best musicians in the world <laughs> yeah that's a great <laughs> misconception like, just because we're a music therapist it doesn't mean we're incredible musicians <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's very true we're good but we're not the best <laughs> definitely not and sure, if they, I, I always say, you can't expect me to be perfect. I would never, you know, expect you to enter this space in perfection. And, and I make mistakes. I muddle my way through songs or, or musical things. And it's about the process, you know, we get there in the end. I was going to say another common one is we get a lot of musical therapy, which is maybe just a very pedantic way of, uh, or you're a musical therapist. And that's a common way that people will frame it which is totally fine. It's not a misconception that offends me in any way. It's just a community-wide known thing that folks will do. Oh, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. I also find like when I'm in the elevator at work, um, I'll run into a client or resident's family and they're like, oh, that you, you have a guitar. Are you entertaining people today? And sometimes I stop them and try to provide education. And sometimes I don't. But, you know, because we just look like a musician coming in, it's hard for people to kind of wrap their head around how we are therapists coming in in this context, as well as people are like, oh, wow, that must be really fun. They must really enjoy that. And it kind of makes it almost like childish for some people Mm -hmm. Um, and making sure that people know that like music therapy is for all ages. Um, It's not just for kids. Um, and we'll get a little bit more into that and, and who, who can benefit from it. Uh, but knowing that it can be really fun, but we also have very hard conversations with people and moments of, of tears um, with our clients, moments of frustration, just all of the emotions, really. As, as you know, you know, music therapy can bring out a lot of different different reactions for us. Yeah, I can only imagine because... Yeah, it's uh, I can imagine how people think it's almost this lighthearted thing where you're just kind of chilling, playing some music, and actually, like, it's like, no, this is there's a lot of thought that's going into this, there's a lot of hardware that's going into this on both sides, right? From your end of things, but also your like any clients or anything like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's yeah, definitely a, miscon- a big misconception to 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 talk about. So. We've kind of talking, spoken a little bit about what is music therapy and maybe what it isn't. Why might someone actually choose to music take part in music therapy? That's a very good question. It's a very broad question. I think you can also ask the question of like, why does anybody want to engage in therapy in general or in like their quote unquote journey to wellness, um, whatever that means today. But I think a lot of people will come to us or come to music therapy because they may A, be looking for a creative modality to work on whatever their therapeutic or intentional goals and objectives may be. And also because it's an evidence-informed practice that is really person-centered and really adaptable and really accessible for folks. I often work in settings and places and with clients that it can be really, really hard for them to verbalize the challenging emotions that they're going through and that they can feel really isolated and like nobody has ever felt as alone or as sad or as as, um, deep in their grief that they have. And music whether that be writing our own music or or listening or writing or singing songs that are pre-recorded has this beautiful way to say what you're feeling and what you're trying to say almost as like a metaphor it's like this third thing that we can attach to and it can make it a lot easier to say to someone or say to yourself how you're feeling or what you're processing and it's a way for for pre-recorded music to say oh my gosh that's how i feel 
So someone else in the world has felt that way and and someone else has expressed that feeling. I'm not alone in it. So I think that's maybe one reason that I find folks come to music therapy, but it's not the only one. Maybe Kayla has another one. That that was one of the main ones that, that I was thinking of. Um, just as far as I think people choose music because it can be a safe place for a conversation to start or a safe place to maybe not use words um, and just go right into the music. Um, And even though that person has not expressed anything verbally to me, I have an understanding based on, you know, maybe the song that they chose or how they're moving their body or their way they're playing the instrument that I'm like, I get you. I can see what you're going through and you're not alone. And I'm going to be here with you, um, whether that's playing a music musical instrument with you, it can just be so good for providing people like that open, safe container to to explore and to access um, different parts of themselves that might be a little bit more vulnerable to access. Yeah, and even the last episode we did, we spoke about counseling. And one of the questions that we kind of, well, topics that we discussed was around when people are like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't feel like I have either the words for this or just like, I don't want to have to say the words because even sometimes just like saying it out loud makes it real or like feel more real, right? Whereas like maybe this could be an avenue for people as well where they're like, that feels like too much. Like that feels like too much going sitting and speaking with someone. Maybe this is a different, more creative way for me to, yeah, like you say, know that I'm not alone and start to work through things or whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. And I often think about this comparison for music therapy and counseling being that, you know, you go into a room with a counselor and throughout whatever modality they use, you you spend that time with them. And maybe the thing you take away and go with is that insight, or maybe it's journaling. That's kind of a practice that we do independently that can be a, a way that we engage with the counseling process with ourselves. And music therapy has that as well, but it almost has it a little more integrated into what we do because like we said, music is all around us. And so we also get to, for some folks, like teach tools on how they can utilize music as a therapeutic outlet or tool or resource in their life for forever. And maybe that looks like adaptive music lessons so that we can help them, you know, learn the process of writing a song and and have a template for them to walk away with so that they can have this this tool of wellness forever. That's huge. I think I think a lot of people hearing that would be like, oh okay, this sounds like something that could be maybe this is something that's up my street that I'd be willing to to give a go. Yeah. <laughs> And I know, I mean, maybe we should acknowledge the the semi-elephant in the room, which is that it can I I totally understand that on the surface level, asking to come and engage in music can be really intimidating and feel like not accessible for people. I could go on a mini rant forever and ever about the disservice we do in society to like tell people that they're not creative or like to put a pedestal of art. So like these are musicians and these are not. And it breaks my heart, the amount of clients that I see who say things like, oh, my elementary school teacher gave me the ruler instead of a a flute or my, my elementary teacher told me to just mouth the words and not to sing it because that is an extension of you and and you were told to be silent in it. And so that's that's something that we totally understand and recognize and want to emphasize that the majority of the people that we work with would not consider themselves to be a, mu- a quote unquote, big quote unquote musician. I think music is inherent in all of us and it's a part of who we are. But yeah, like we we get that. We will never force you. <laughs> to sing a solo in front of us. We will never force you to do anything, but we recognize that music can feel really intimidating and really vulnerable. And that's also a part of why the training that we receive and and the continuing education that we're required to have is so crucial because 
we're also entering a relationship where we have a power of deferential and and that there is um, power in in who we are in this relationship. And it's really important that we understand that and that we act accordingly to that. A hundred percent. And it was even something that was kind of coming to my mind when we were talking about what could what it is um, was around like when people like, well, I don't know how to play anything or like I I can't sing or yeah all these different kind of things where people might be like oh I think maybe that's not for me because maybe even just thinking I'm not creative right and or all these different things where people are like oh I don't think that's for me because of that which which sucks right when where those barriers are being put in place like you say frequently they have been like passed along by some kind of external experience from someone saying either that's not good enough or even just the way I'm just even thinking about the expectation that sometimes when we first start something, we're going to be perfect at it. I'm just thinking about, you know, even like artists, right? And they're, they're like, I have been drawing for 10 years and that's why this is actually good now versus when a lot of us are, I look at that art when somebody's been practicing it for 10 years and go, oh, I, I can't draw like that. I'm awful at drawing. And it's like, no, like we need to just find the fun in that initial piece right the enjoyment in those initial pieces yeah so I guess the moral of the story is if someone's listening and thinking I'm not creative or I can't sing I can't play an instrument and all these different pieces that doesn't mean that music therapy isn't not an option for them right totally and part of our training is also to because we we understand that pretty things sound pretty so part of our training is also to make that accessible. I mean, I there's different uh, techniques that you can use that like I've written songs and recorded songs with people that would, would have never thought that that'd be something that they would do. And, and I've made music, I've done improv with people and like made beautiful sounds on the first session. So it is also something that like we're very success driven and, and we understand that there's that drive to have something sound the way you want it to. And there are little things that we can do to have that 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 be the case and it can also it doesn't have to be beautiful it can be it can be fun it can be silly like I have this one instrument called the thunder tube and it sounds like a thunderstorm like and just some really out there weird instruments to get people laughing and and even when you like if you were to go outside and just close your eyes thinking about all the sounds around you it could be like trucks driving by the birds um um, just anything in our environment really that is all music music is not just the guitar the piano our voices it's our it's all of our environment um and I also wanted to add too it's it's really it's the process of the experience it's not the end result and I think that's where it's it's different from maybe going to see a music teacher where you're you're there to learn an instrument and to get better at that instrument but that's not the case in music therapy it's just about expressing ourselves having fun making weird sounds making beautiful sounds whatever is right for us in that moment yeah I love that just thinking about things that you've kind of both mentioned as well is around like creating that safe space right for people to be able to make silly sounds like I think we have to I definitely need to acknowledge we're brought up that once you reach a certain age in life you're not allowed to be silly anymore and even yeah that for some people that is terrifying yeah kind of letting go of that right or doing things that could be a little bit embarrassing or that we think are embarrassing right and you both kind of talking about creating that safe space and that that training piece right so that that's I guess what defines not defines you that training piece that comes through the training as being a music therapist to enable those safe spaces to enable it to be like you can make a beautiful noise we can make an awful noise if that's what we're going to say it is like whatever it is all of it's great like how what is that process then for you to become a music therapist yeah so maybe a, a quick clarification in that language that I use so music therapy would be um similar to counseling in that it's not a protected title so 
technically anybody out there can call themselves a music therapist. So just like with counseling, a registered clinical counselor is a title that they regulate. A certified music therapist is a title that we regulate. Yeah, but it's the same. We, we come across a lot of the same barriers that counseling does. Um, and I mean, I guess maybe a small plug that it should be uh, a regulated and protected title. And it's interesting to come from social work, which is a protected title, um, and it is a very like well-established profession. That yeah, that it that you can I can kind of see the the leaps and bounds that social work gets to accomplish because of that, and also like the protection that our communities have because of that. It's never perfect. Nothing is ever perfect. You can point to incredible um, harms that social workers have done, but it it uh we're held we're held accountable for that because we're a uh, a regulated body of folks. But to get back to your question of how we learn how to um, maybe be uncomfortable or be silly or something like that, I can think of the most profound example of that for me. So part of the music therapy training is that each semester we take within the degree, we'll take a different creative modality, a class in that different creative modality. And one of them was um, movement and dance therapy. And we had to perform a dance in front of our class um and i have never been so uncomfortable <laughs> i i will do presentations and talks and sing and perform until the cows come home like that doesn't stress me out i think i cried more that week leading up to the dance than i ever have in school which says a lot yeah but it really taught me like how uncomfortable and stressed somebody might be coming into our sessions and as much as I would love to say like I ended it and I felt like I accomplished this massive thing I didn't I ended it and I felt a lot of shame and then I had to like process that and think about like why did I feel shame and how could I have felt how could I have approached it differently and like how will I set up my sessions so that people don't leave feeling shame not to say that the prof or the class um, created an environment where I would have felt shame necessarily, but just to really recognize that that is an outcome that can happen when we're feeling silly and when we're doing something that like puts us on a, in a bit of a spotlight and makes us feel uncomfortable. Um, and then also just getting more into the how long does it take to become a music therapist? It's, it's typically about five years. The first two years are are quite general general studies and then in your third year you apply to get into the music therapy program um, here in BC we just have one program at Capilano University um, and within that program you do verbal counseling courses you do psycho lots of psychology some research based research method classes and of course um, enhancing your music um, training skills as well. Um, and then we also do three practicums within that program. One being working in long-term care, working with seniors. Secondly, doing a practicum, working with kids um, in the school system. And then third, either working in hospice or working in mental health care, um, typically in you know a psychiatric setting. And then after all of that training, we also do a thousand hour internship in an area that we would like to learn more about. Um, and then after that, we can call ourselves an MTA uh, certified music therapist once we've also completed the board exam. So there's a lot that goes into it. Right? <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah. Like you say, if someone's saying they're certified, right, like you know that they've been through, they've been through a lot of training to hopefully then be able to create like the safer space. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been, honestly, it's been, it's, everything in the UK is a lot more regulated. So it's been a real learning curve for me about around how it's actually quite different out in, um, in Canada as well and it also blows my mind how it's different across provinces as well that mm-hmm. a lot to get used to but yeah like I think I think that provides a, a level of like comfort I think as well for people knowing that this person has like spent a long time doing training and not even and as well like some very hands-on training and learning and experience right as well right it's not only like academic learning there's also that piece of like doing it and knowing that you're probably not going to be the first person that a music therapist has like worked with right I know that's always like very scary as well yeah definitely I think a a level of experience is always so important and 
you know, even I can hear a small voice of one of our, our professors in my ear saying, it's not even just a five-year degree because you have to enter the program with a proficient musical background. And that has to be in piano, guitar, and voice. And then any on top of that is, is an addition. Um, so it is, it, it's a, it's a profession. I think it's such a unique profession. And what's cool about that, I think, is it, it really means that those who are in it have want how they really want it and they really believe in it because we pr I, at least in my experience just anecdotally I haven't met a music therapist or known a music therapist who hasn't had like a really profound connection with music in their own life yeah which is is massive when you're somebody who's wanting to to reach out and take part in something right because you're like okay like this is this is important to you not just to me but like this is also important to you which means how this goes like also matters to us both which I think can relieve a little bit of the anxiety as well mm -hmm. I guess also like where would people find music therapists like yeah how would either I guess how would someone happen to like interact with someone or meet someone who's a music therapist like working in their profession or if someone wanted to like reach out and find a music therapist how would they kind of best go about that um so I think it really depends in the province that you're, you're in and the community. You know, there's becoming to be more music therapists. However, we are quite of, of a small profession at this point. Um, so typically you would find a music therapist in some sort of healthcare setting, whether that be in a hospital, in a long-term care facility, in a rehabilitation facility, um, as well as in a school setting. And what else? Uh, private practice. Um, we do have a studio here in Kelowna where clients can come to us. And then also in a community setting. Um, recently, we have been working to expand music therapy within our community and offering, hopefully, you know, down the road, more programs at, say, the Rotary Center of Arts. They've been a great support for us and being able to find um, funding and grants so that people can access these programs in an affordable way, as well as partnering different organizations within our community to provide, um, whether that be workshops or anything like that within our community. Is that anything else that you can think of, Lizzie? Um, yeah, I think maybe so we work in a wide variety of settings. And then as Kayla had mentioned earlier, we also work in collaboration with a lot of other professions. And so, you know, for example, in long term cares or in assisted living facilities, we might work really closely with recreation therapists or with the physiotherapists or occupational therapists there. We also work really closely with nursing teams or Maybe in a hospice setting, we'd work with the spiritual care practitioner. Um, and so there's there's a lot of ways in which we collaborate with individuals and a lot of different locations and facilities that we tend to work in. I mean, Kayla and I alone probably in the Okanagan work upwards to 10 different locations in a year. And, and that includes healthcare facilities, it includes community settings, it includes private practice. So it, it really ranges. But I think if you ever see us with a guitar on our back, we're probably there to work. <laughs> and I guess as well, like people might be wondering, because you've mentioned like working in like places like long-term care and that like, you've mentioned like psychiatric units, that kind of stuff. So in some senses, might it be where you are kind of like working on like a unit that day and meeting with people or would they be kind of like matched with you when they're like in those um in the sayings? Yeah, it's kind of both would be my answer. So that kind of leads to a broader conversation around what kind of employment we do. So we work um, as contractors, for example. So maybe we'd be contracted for a day at hospice um, once a week. And in that day, there'll be prioritized folks to see for different reasons. But also sometimes we'll have long-term care facilities reach out and say, hey, I have this really young resident who loves music, um, doesn't go to other programming, is really isolated. Could we, could we have you come in once a week just to see that one individual? 
And also often in those settings, when we get those kind of requests, it'll then grow into actually, could you come for this person and a group? Actually, could you come for this? And so that's kind of one way that we we work or, or maybe in a school setting, which maybe I'll let you talk about that, Kayla, because you work in that setting. Um, but it can look different there too. Yeah, I, I work um, a lot in the special education program within the schools. Um, so often getting referrals from their teachers um, or some of the, again, physio, OT, um, behavioral consultants or interventionists, um, and then specifically um, using music to help support those kiddos um, with their IEP plans, which are like individual education plans. Um, so yeah, it's very, Soul Sounds Music Therapy has started out as right away as a mobile business where we typically are going to work with people um, within those care settings. And then, you know, recently have been offering a little bit more of private practice as well, where people can come to us. Okay, yeah, because I was going to ask that as well. Like, um, say, for example, if someone's listening to this and like, okay, sounds, soul sounds, music therapy sounds exactly like what I want to try. Yeah, like, can people reach out to like your music therapist and kind of try and book in and that kind of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Music therapy can be a self-referral. It could be your family member referring, um, as well as from any of the health professionals um, that want to contact us. So this is going to be a really big question, <laughs> which is bring it on. <laughs> is what might someone gain from music therapy? I know we've mentioned a little bit about it already, but if someone's curious because they've been like, okay, maybe this does sound like something that's really interesting for me. Yeah. What might someone gain from yeah joining music therapy? So again, it depends on, on the goals, what, what that person wants to get out of it. Um, because there is so many things that we can be working on. Um, however, some of the main, main things that we find our clients are getting out of um, music therapy is connection you know, opportunities for creativity, um, meaning making, being able to express themselves verbally or non-verbally, providing people tools for relaxation and grounding. Also resources for people um, having pain, pain management, um, emotional outlet, you know, for people who have experienced trauma or um, maybe people who are processing grief, as well as, you know, I, I work a lot with kids on the autism spectrum and often find that uh, we're working on using music to help with practical life skills or like ADLs or social skills, if that's brushing your teeth or learning how to put your pants on or like very simple, simple day-to-day um, -day things that people need support with. What's so interesting about that is that is such a huge range of things. <laughs> really, really wide range, which is so cool. And I think that just shows how how music really can just touch all different pieces of our lives, right? Because yeah, going from talking about like connection and creativity to things like pain management, I definitely wouldn't have ever thought of that. And I doubt many people would have, right? Yeah, I, I used to work um, at children's hospital for my internship. And I did a lot of support for for patients and families that were either just about to go into surgery or post-surgery um, because there was a lot of anxiety, a lot of pain. And, you know, as music therapists, we're trained to maybe use music in the sense of to match somebody's breathing. So we'll look at that breathing rate and we'll um, maybe play one of their favorite songs that is actually maybe quite a fast song, but we slow it down completely and just like slowly to match that breathing um, or really personalizing that song or humming. Like there's so many different ways that we can be using music to um, redirect or distract or or just focus less on on what, what might be going on. That's really cool. I'm even just thinking, I'm like, there's not many like professions really where it's like that big of a range, right, of what you're involved with. So really is one of those things where every day really must be <laughs> quite different for, for you, right? Which I guess is exciting in one in one way. It really is. Nothing is ever the same. It's never boring. And also it's it's important to recognize as well that, you know, a lot of us music therapists do work with 
a variety of populations or, or ages. Um, however, there's a lot of music therapists that are maybe a little bit more specialized in certain areas. And there is also advanced training that music therapists can take to support um, certain types of people, specifically music neurologic music therapy for supporting people with stroke and Parkinson's um, or um, you know, music therapy with um, in, in the NICU um, for premature babies. So there is um, certain types of music therapy that does require typically a higher level of education as well. That makes sense. Yeah, because then that's kind of really cool because I feel like that means that maybe someone can find if they wanted someone who was like really specific to something for them, there is that opportunity. But at the same time, knowing that a music therapist is going gonna, is gonna to work with them to personalize everything for them anyway, is also like really helpful for each person to know. Kind of as we go into the final bit of our episode today, I guess we've spoken a lot about like what someone might gain, how some like even what to expect from a music therapist in the sense of their knowledge, their safety building and those kind of things. But what would, what would, could somebody expect generally, I guess is the best way of saying it, because like you say, it's very, very different depending on who you're working with and whether it's a group setting or one-on-one, that kind of stuff. But what could be maybe some like of the real basic things that someone could expect if they went to music therapy? It's a good question. Um, I find in answering this, because as as you have seen, there's such a broad array of what the outcomes might be or where we're working. And so to kind of narrow it down and maybe help alleviate anxiety over thinking, is this something I want to engage in? I think it's helpful to kind of walk through what the therapeutic process is in general. So typically it starts with that referral, whether it be self or from an interdisciplinary team. And then we'll move on to that assessment stage and that's in collaboration with the individual or with their care team. And so we're going to assess and talk with you about what we're doing to see what your goals are or where maybe things are kind of struggling or stuck in your life and and how um, how that affects you. So it's very person-centered. It, it might look a little more closely aligned with um, a typical verbal counseling initial session, but then we might also, depending on the setting, be also assessing for their musicality. And when they say that, I don't mean your musical training. I mean very much, how do you move in your body when I play music? What's your breathing? What is your response? If can you grasp a shaker or do I need to have some kind of a different modality for you to have that? And what genre of music do you like? Mm-hmm. What kind of instruments do you not like? Like maybe there's one that like really annoys you. Yeah. Anything that we need to be aware of so we don't play something that um, puts somebody, uh, yeah, makes somebody uncomfortable. Definitely. And then once we have that assessment, um, that informs us to write clinical goals and objectives. And that's that's kind of where like the quote unquote treatment stage is. And so this is where interventions come in. And I think that's really where people are getting at when they're like, what does it look like? Because you're you're thinking, what are we going to do together? And I do, I'm so sorry that I don't have an, a very coherent answer for you that encapsulates everything. But what I can say is Typically, there's a mixture of, um, you know, active or passive music. And so that means you being an active participant in the music making process or in whatever we're doing. And sometimes it also might just end with a passive, you know, sit down if there's some grounding exercise or something like that, where I might play for you or in a group setting that others might play. And so typically there's a combination of both active and passive interventions it's very individualized and personalized for whatever accessibility needs or preferences somebody has. We might do songwriting. We might do um, some kind of an improvisation. We might do a sing-along. We might do a rap and recovery intervention. There's just, there's so many things that we do. You can pretty much always guarantee there'll be music, but sometimes, honestly, there isn't because that's not what the individual wants that day. And it's it looks a lot more like talk therapy. And then once we've done some interventions, always person-centered, always strength-based, we always assess how it's going. So we do an evaluation. Like I mentioned, we are an evidence-informed practice, which means we're always looking for indicators to see 
are we being effective in our interventions? Could we adapt this to be um, better or more accessible for an individual? Are we seeing things that we actually don't want at all and we need to address that in a session? So that that's really the evaluation piece. And then eventually there's typically some kind of a closure and that kind of concludes the, the therapeutic process to say, uh, however, in, in community, I just want to point out that closure component um, can look really different and can can mean different things. I think it's important that we, you know, I'm, I'm coming from a social worker stance maybe here, but I think that closely aligns with music therapy as well. Now we're always trying to decolonize uh, the way that we practice and having that really firm boundary that we're no longer a part of a community because our identity as a therapist has come to an end can be potentially really harmful to Indigenous communities. And so that that closure doesn't necessarily mean that we will then disappear, that that relationship no longer exists. It just means that the, the way that that relationship has been going might shift. And uh, yeah, we just want to honor that that is a component as well to the work we do. We are a part of a community. We feel very grateful to be a part of a community and the closure component doesn't mean abandonment to that identity. Yeah. And I think Lizzie like did a really great job of, of explaining, you know, music therapy from, from sort of a clinical lens. Um, and I, and then I guess I also want to emphasize, you know, what it looks like for, for someone who might because they're not going to see everything that Lizzie has explained as sort of things that we're assessing, but it's going to be a bit more in the background. You know, at the end of the day, they might not be as involved and in, they can be in as in, involved in it as, as much as they like. But I do also find that, you know, so what we do in the session, again, Lizzie had talked about sometimes that's singing, sometimes we're writing music. And when I say writing music, it's it's very adaptable in the sense we might have a um, lyrics of a song that they really like, and we've we've blanked out some of those lyrics so that people can personalize it to how they're feeling. Or maybe they have a journal entry that they worked on with maybe their their registered counselor, and they'd like to maybe turn that into a song. Or maybe we're talking about maybe we're talking about a song that they really like, and kind of highlighting going through those lyrics and talking about how that relates to their life. And then we have different instruments, like I have xylophone, maracas, um, guitars, ukuleles, a piano, um, just various percussive instruments, some djembes, um, different ways that we can express ourselves depending on how we're feeling that day. We might want a really loud instrument like a drum, or maybe we want a little, like I have a little kalimba, it's like a a thumb piano that we can be playing. And then also using music in the sense of for movement, we might be dancing to the music in the room if that feels right. We might be breathing with the music. Um, we also might be drawing with music and just, just letting or closing our eyes and drawing and listening to music. Like there's just so many different ways, but it's, it's very, um, creative and very playful. I know most of the audience for this podcast is for, you know, mainly young adults. And I feel like it's really important that we're playful and that we have unstructured playtime, just like kids do. Um, that's really good for our mental health to not always have a plan because, you know, we have jobs, we go to work, we go home and everything's so structured. And this can be a great time to just not have a plan just go into it yeah that's yeah that's such a great point because I feel like yeah especially when you leave school it's like all right you're an adult now go do serious stuff <laughs> so having that like you say like unstructured kind of like unscheduled um playtime is massive for for young people especially because I think there's even there's like that level of like peer pressure around like trying to be cool and not do things that like might be seen as embarrassing when it's just being ourselves or whatever it is at that moment right so also recognizing that for for everyone mm -hmm. and then one of my kind of final questions is before I hand it over to you both to chat about anything else that you would like to add in is around maybe for some people music therapy might not be accessible for them or available for 
lots of different reasons. Are there ways that maybe you would suggest to listeners that they maybe can still use music to support themselves or their mental health? Yeah, one thing that I, I don't think we've quite got into is, um, you know, music is so accessible on people's phones these days, like whether that be Spotify or Apple Music. And, and there's so many lovely playlists, like even on Spotify, where you can go in there and select a certain one based on your mood. Um, and also like encouraging everyone to go in and, and maybe create more purposeful playlists that really fit for what you're going through. So music for the gym, music for when I'm feeling overwhelmed or music when I'm feeling lonely and having those that music very accessible that you're not creating it when you're maybe in a time of crisis and you already have that already laid out for you. I think that can be huge um, way that you can just use music therapeutically for yourself. Um, and with that, one of our colleagues and, and business coaches, um, her name's Jennifer Buchanan. She's in Calgary. Um, she is the owner of JV Music Therapy. And she's also an, an author and has created these wonderful um, resources for people who would like to use music more purposefully in their life. So she has a book called Wellness Well Played, and it talks all about how we can use music and create purposeful playlists to support ourselves um, in our everyday life. So super great book, and it's it's very small and very affordable that people can get on, I think, Amazon. I think that can be really good. Also, like, go out, listen to live music. It can be such a great way to socialize and connect with other people and, and get up and dance if that feels right for you. Um, many communities have choirs. That can be such a nice connection piece. And maybe if people are seeing a registered clinical counselor or psychologist or a social worker, maybe you want to bring, print out the lyrics of your favorite song or something that really relates to what you're going through. Um, and that might be something that you can share with your therapist and, and talk about that. And if it's not with a therapist, maybe it's just with your friend that you want to maybe just have a night where like, okay, we're going to listen to music, have like a, again, Jennifer talks about this, uh, like a, instead of a book club, have a music club. You go in, you share your favorite songs and, and find a way to connect with one another and remind each other that you're that you're not alone. Um, Lizzie, anything else you can think of? Oh, I think you did such a good job <laughs> at, uh, at summarizing kind of those resources. I think, yeah, maybe just spending a bit of time uh, considering the music that you consume and, and why and, and being, if you want, being a little intentional about that. Or, you know, I can think of times that I've <laughs> intentionally set up a playlist and timed it in a way that like, okay, at this moment, I'm going to need this and, and, and putting that song in right in that moment. And then maybe going for me, that's often running, but it can be anything. And maybe it's going for a walk or just sitting there and listening and, and seeing that playlist or that, that music in your mind and, and remembering why it's there. And also it, music is like we said, it has this inherent way I think of connecting us and connecting to us and and so utilizing that in your life I I think that can be such a beautiful gift that that we have maybe sending your friend a song and saying hey this reminded me of you or something like that that can be a way of reaching out as well yeah and even I'm just thinking say for example we're in a certain place where we're not feeling great but maybe we we're having a hard time like verbalizing that especially maybe to like maybe we live with our parents mm. and we're having a really hard time telling our parents how we're feeling like maybe if there is a song where we're like this feels like this describes how like low I feel right now or something like that and just mm. being like hey like dad can you listen to this song I'd really appreciate it this is how I feel and this is gonna say it better than I can almost and I think even like combining our creative modalities so even if you have a song that you think really, really speaks to your experience, maybe you created a little music video for it or something. And that's also what you could share along with it. Or, you know, there's so many ways that 
yeah, that we can combine them. Even the, as Kayla mentioned, music and art, like maybe you put on some music and you allow a free art space to draw or to paint or to sculpt whatever modality calls to you that day. But yeah, just using music intentionally, I think is a really good way to access the benefits of it. Yeah, because I think a lot of us do it unintentionally. Like how many people go to the gym and have their like gym playlist, right? Because it like gets them pumped up and like, is like I've got the energy like this is what's going to keep me going but I think a lot of us don't necessarily recognize that the relationship and the connection with music that that has to where we're feeling on when we put it on kind of thing and having that body awareness too like where exactly am I feeling this in my body right now when I hear this song am I feeling it in my chest am I feeling it in my stomach my head like I'm just having a bit more you know just having mindfulness really just being mindful of of what's around us, but also how our body's feeling. Yeah, I guess. Is there anything else that you kind of both would like to to chat about or share with people listening? That's an even bigger question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what soapbox can I get on now? And <laughs> I don't think so. I guess just like a deep. Maybe the one thing I'd like to recognize is that we've spoken a lot from the the place of what people can receive or get from music therapy, but also that we, or maybe I should just speak for I, but I think I can lump Kayla in with me on this. Like we have such a deep gratitude for the people that we work with and for the, the privilege and the the beauty that we get to, um, to practice in this way. And, and really at the end of the day, like, I think I'm the luckiest person because I just get to lay witness to the human experience and I often feel like I get so much wisdom and love and depth and beauty from the people that I work with. And yeah, just that it's a real privilege. And and we come into the session and into the space with that that mentality, that it's our privilege to be um, with, with the clients that we work with and with the community members, the folks, the individuals, whatever language we use. Well said. That's beautiful, Lizzie. My final thing I'm going to ask from both of you is... If there's anyone kind of listening right now who is maybe considering music therapy, maybe feeling anxious about the idea of it, not sure, what would be the one thing each of you would say to that person? Oh, what a question. What would I say to somebody who's maybe intimidated to like start the process? Yeah, maybe. Oh, yeah, I think I would want to say like that I I totally get you. I understand what it's like to to jump into the deep end and and try something new. And I think there's no pressure at all. Like, you know, you can you can just email us, ask a question, or connect with us on Zoom. But it doesn't have to be this full you're you're locked into something and you can't get out. I think, you know, it's it's nice to just have a conversation. And I think that can be where where it starts. i I just really want people to to know that they're not alone. And that we all have a gift and music can often be a way if it's music, if it's if it's um, art, if it's maybe sports for people, you know, we all have different modalities that we use to to express ourselves and to, you know, get to know ourselves and and find identity. And if that's something that you want to explore that. I'm I'm happy to be with you on that journey. And I'm I'm human just like you. I also have my struggles and and that's okay. It's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to reach out. Yeah, thank you, Kayla. I think I got mine for my inspiration by Kayla. <laughs> I think I would just say that we welcome a space where people just come as they are. There's no expectation. There's no thought that we have that people need to be a certain way. Uh, we really do want people to to enter the space, to enter the relationship that we're starting to build with them exactly as they are, whatever that looks like that day. And that, yeah, kind of echoing Kayla to us, building relationship is, I'd say, almost paramount to everything that we do, that that is the foundation that we work upon. And so that relationship has no pressure. It has no expectation it it just is what it is. And we want to connect with you on a human level. And and that also, if you reach out to us and it it's just to say, this is what I'm looking for. And it doesn't turn out to be something that Kayla and I can provide for you. Like we're super stoked to refer you to other 
resources in the community or things that we know about like it's we, we don't uh we we like to kind of we want to support you in, in however that looks in whatever way that best is in this moment yeah thank you lizzie and then final thing is you are both from soul sounds music therapy so how might people like find about out about you and get in touch? We do have a website. That's probably the quickest and easiest way to get a hold of us. There's a contact us, you know, tab on the website and that gets sent to both the emails and that gets sent to both Kayla and I. So I would say that's probably the best way to contact us is just Google Soul Sounds Music Therapy. And there we are. Yeah. And we're also on Instagram, Facebook and, and LinkedIn as well. So Again, just type it in and you'll, you should be able to find us. Well, thank you so much, Kayla and Lizzie. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge with everybody. We massively appreciate it. So yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we we got our accomplishment. We're all friends. Or I shouldn't speak for everyone. <laughs> I'm still friends with you too. <laughs> I hope you're friends with me. <laughs> well um i think we'll finish up the episode here so i hope all of our listeners have a good rest of your day thank you thanks again for listening to us we hope you enjoyed this podcast you can find us on all major podcast streaming platforms and if you don't want to miss any future episodes you can follow us or subscribe to what really works to find more from discovery college go to discoverycollegecolona.com And thanks again to Staple Studio in supporting us to produce this podcast.